0: if we instead shift our focus to say everything will be okay, we have enough in Christ, we get to take everything God has given us. And rather than holding on to it with fear or carefully giving it out for the things we've desperately been wanting, we get to just open our hands and say, God, what do you want to do today? What opportunities do you want to bless others? And how can I be a part of that? This is the life. God has called you and I to. A life that is content, that is not desperately needing something more, but says, God, whatever you've given, let me use it to bring you glory.
1: Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out. And God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.
0: Hey, Point, good morning. It is so good to be with you again today. Uh, I wanted to reiterate what Emily just said. Moms, we love you. And in fact, she said, especially during this time, like we can't forget to love you. I think it's because of this time we need to show you love. Because I know for my wife, being a mom right now is a really challenging thing. Where you have no break from your kids, your kids have constant demand. If that's you, we love you. And even if that's not you, your kids have moved out of the house long ago. We still love you. And we are excited to celebrate Mother's Day with you next week. So, tag a mom in the comments so we can bless somebody with flowers later this week. Now, with that said, uh, as we finish this No Ordinary Life series, I have a really challenging um, reality to share with you. It is difficult to be Christian in America. Now, Now, let me clarify it's not difficult to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is simply something God does through the gift of baptism where he pours faith into you and helps you to trust and believe in the promises of Jesus. That through his death and his resurrection, we have everlasting life and hope and peace and love. Becoming a Christian is really easy. But being a Christian, that's really different. Really difficult, that is. You see, being a Christian, becoming a Christian uh, is a one-time thing, but being a Christian is ongoing. Every day, the Bible describes it as a walk, as a journey together. And it's not a journey that's performance-based, where if you don't do enough good things, you are out. But it's a journey where God is actively at work in you and in me, changing us. And we say, come as you are, and becoming a Christian is just like that. Come as you are. But being a Christian is the next part. Become who you are. God has so much more in store for your life, more in store for the lives of the people you care about. He is infinitely, infinitely greater and better than you have ever hoped for or desired. And walking on this journey throughout Scripture, there's a lot of really challenging things, things that uh, the life of a Christian should look like but for many of us it doesn't and today what I want to share I want to tell you that we are actually up against a great obstacle not an evil one not an inherently wrong one just a great challenge as Americans and here's the obstacle I want to put before you we are incredibly wealthy and incredibly blessed And we live in a culture that tells us every single day, day after day, that we don't have enough. That our life is missing something and we need more. You don't believe me? Did you know in 2019, almost $240 billion were spent in the U.S. alone just to market to you and convince you that you need to buy something else. Almost $240 billion dollars just to tell you your life is missing something, something really important. Now, I'm not mad at marketers, I just know they're really good at their job. Something I've discovered here during this time of quarantine and safer at home, uh, something I've discovered is that Amazon is significantly less fun when you don't get next day delivery. Because for me, I'm a person who loves instant gratification. I like the opportunity to buy something I want and have it right away and I took for granted how quickly Amazon could turn things around. I could buy all kinds of bizarre stuff from all around the world and just like that it would be at my doorstep available for me to enjoy and then cast aside. But now in this season some things take several weeks and in, in fact, the Easter eggs that we put in those uh, Holy Week baskets, or those Holy Week bags, those were on loan to us from Grace Lutheran Church because our Easter eggs, which I ordered two weeks before Easter, Amazon said weren't going to arrive until three weeks after Easter. We have a culture that is constantly inundated with the need to purchase more things. And whether you know it or not, you and I fall victim to this. We constantly see ourselves spending more money on things that are helpful, but not necessary. And in doing so, we unintentionally create this habit, this frame of mind that is unchristian, this frame of mind that says, if only I have something else, my life will be better. My life will be complete. I just need more. To give you a good picture of this, In 2019, Americans spent $97 billion on their pets. That's a lot of money. Now, I love Ralph, Emily's cat, and I love pets, but that is a lot of money on animals. Not only this, we spent $27 billion on infant clothes last year. Now, I have a baby coming in about a month and a half, and here's the thing, babies need clothes. But $27 billion worth of clothes. We were looking through our old clothes for this new baby to see what we can reuse from Elijah. And we realized that we have all kinds of clothes that are all long sleeve because Elijah was born in the winter. And long sleeve for a summer baby here is probably not going to work. So we're going to probably need some different clothes for our newborn. But as we were looking at these multiple bins of old clothes, I realized just how easy it is to think our life is incomplete. And the truth of the matter is, no matter what clothes we put that newborn in, in like a month and a half or less, they won't fit and we'll have to replace them with something different. Now, here's the real kicker. In 2019, Americans spent 200... Actually, sorry, 2018. uh, Americans spent $254 billion dollars on alcohol. Now, I love a good beer and I love a good uh, whiskey or bourbon. I I love alcohol and drinking it responsibly can be okay, but $254 billion in one year just on alcohol. Now here's the thing that really baffled me, St. Jude's Hospital. St. Jude's Hospital does an incredible amount of work helping heal children, caring for those who are sick and those who are dying, researching, researching and studying and discovering all kinds of awesome, awesome ways to treat illness. Do you know with that $254 billion we spent on alcohol, we could annually fund 254 additional St. Jude's hospitals? There's potential for you and for me in the decisions we make and the choices we live by to make a significant impact in our world. And this is what we as Christians are called to do, to see our resources not as a need for more, but as an opportunity to serve. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes about this. He's concluding this letter to Timothy, a man becoming a pastor, a man serving as a pastor. He's concluding this letter and he writes this. Uh, After talking about what it means to be the church, to live as a church, who should lead the church, he says, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and depraved of truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. See, in this letter, Paul writes to Timothy about how to be a godly person, how to live as a Christian in this world, how to be a Christian after having become one. And he talks a lot about being godly, having the character of God, walking in the ways of God, doing what God would do for this world, godliness. And yet, he says, there are some who will treat godliness as a means of great gain. If only I speak with more integrity, then I will get the promotion. If only I give more generously, then God will bless me more abundantly. If only I act like I love you, you will think that I love you. Have you ever encountered this attitude? Or had this attitude? If I can just give the appearance of being someone I'm not, if I can put on a face and act like things are okay, eventually they'll become okay. I'll be more accepted, I'll be more loved, I'll be more desired if only I have this appearance of being godly. But godliness is not a means of gain. In fact, he goes on in verse 6 and he says this, Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. See, godliness by itself is is not adequate for our lives to fill us with the peace and the joy and the hope that God intends for us. If godliness is a means to an end, the way by which we accomplish whatever we're setting out to do. But he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he goes on and he says this, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Paul says, look, godliness, to be a Christian, to walk in the way of Jesus is no ordinary life. It's not a life where we're consumed with the need for something more, with the desire that says, if only my life has, then I will be okay. No, instead, godliness comes with contentment. Being okay is with where we are. Not complacent, not lazy and, ap- and apathetic, but being okay to say, my life is enough in Jesus. And I don't need the latest and greatest. I don't need that other thing. I can choose to live differently because I have everything I need. Now, sometimes when we hear words like this, our mind goes immediately to this idea that says, well, money is evil. Having money is evil. Wealthy people are evil. So we should abandon the idea of having money and we should hate those who do and we should blank. Come up with whatever reason we want to fill in that blank with why somebody else is the problem. But he goes on in verse 9, he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. Into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Look, it is this love of money, this des- desire to have more, this attitude that says, I am not okay with what I have, but my life needs something else it's missing. This will pierce us and bring many pains. But then Paul continues. After celebrating uh, Timothy in this next section, verses 11 through 16, he talks about uh, pursue righteousness and godliness and faith, love, steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. He says, look, Timothy, this will not be easy. It won't be simple, but do it. Pursue what is good. Pursue what is beneficial. Pursue what promotes Jesus. Then he comes back to those who are rich. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, he says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. That is, charge them not to be arrogant. Not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul says to those who are rich, who have lots, this is what you should do. Don't be arrogant. Don't set your hope on if only my 401k uh, looks a little better. If only my retirement is a little higher, if only the market rebounds. Don't set your hopes on if only I have more and can do more with my money, then life will be good. No, instead, this is what we're to do. Set our hopes on God who richly provides everything we need. Real quick, I need to take an aside and say this. If you are doing things the way God intends with your money, there's a really good chance that it will financially go well for you. And this is not prosperity gospel that says, if you believe hard enough, then God will bless you enough. No, instead, there's a really true and natural thing that happens. If we spend less than we have and we live with contentment, and we practice good habits with our money and our budgeting and we wisely save and invest for the future, there's a good chance that when the future comes, you will have more than enough and you will be provided for. Now, your measure of enough may look different than someone else's and that's okay, but God is faithful and he consistently provides for us, for his people. And we don't need to be consumed with this worry or this need to go and fill a void by purchasing something more or shopping or getting something different or working harder to have a bigger 401k. It doesn't matter if your retirement has disappeared in the last seven weeks because God will provide. And if you continue to trust in him and place your hope in him, he will find a way to give you your daily need of food and a place to live, of clothing on your back, he will provide. Paul, he writes and says, for the rich in this age, don't be arrogant. But instead, here's what you need to do. He says, do good, be rich in good works, be generous and ready to share. Store up treasure for yourselves as a good foundation for the future so that you may take hold of that which is truly life. For you and for me as Christians, this no ordinary life that God has given us is one that sees in Jesus we have enough. In Jesus, everything we need has been given to us. And for now, in our times of wanting, in our times of lack, where our financial resources don't look like we want them to, we turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you to take care of me. Help me to use everything you've given wisely. And when things are going great and we seem to be prospering and everything seems more than okay, that's when we look at Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. Now what? What can I do with these resources? Who can I bless? How can I help? What difference can I make to do good for the sake of my neighbor? Now, I imagine these numbers I shared at the beginning, the $97 billion on our pets or the 27 billion on baby clothes or 254 billion on alcohol. What if you and I as Christians looked at all that we had and said, we have enough. What if we looked at all that we had and said, God, how can I use whatever I have to do good? And we just took 10% of that amount and made a difference. We just took a small fraction of that $97 and said, let's do good with this. What then would that look like? Also, Ralph has discovered a plastic bag at my feet. So if you hear that rustling, that's the noise of a cat enjoying a bag at my feet. There he is. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, Ralph. In case you don't know, this is Ralph. He's uh, Emily and Tyler's pet, and he's been very kindly not making an appearance for the last several weeks, but thought he would today. Church, what can we do with our resources? You see, when we live as a people who are content, who say, I have more than enough, I'm not going to be more loved if I have nicer clothes. I'm not going to feel more peace if I have a faster car. I'm not going to be a better person in the eyes of anybody if I have blank. If we instead shift our focus to say everything will be okay, we have enough in Christ, we get to Take everything God has given us. And rather than holding on to it with fear or carefully giving it out for the things we've desperately been wanting, we get to just open our hands and say, God, what do you want to do today? What opportunities do you want to bless others? And how can I be a part of that? This is the life God has called you and I to a life that is content, that is not desperately needing something more, but says, God, whatever you've given, let me use it to bring you glory. I read just the other day that in Knox County, in this area, local nonprofits over the course of the last seven weeks of this shutdown have lost almost $12 million in revenue. $12 million. These are organizations in our community who are desperately making a difference, who are desperately working with everything they have, stretching their dollars to try to serve the hungry and the homeless and those who've been trafficked and those who've been abused and those who are suffering all kinds of pain. And just in the last couple weeks, they have lost almost $12 million. So church, this is my encouragement and my challenge to you. What if we, as God's people, said we have enough? We can choose to buy those things that bring us great joy and to live that way, that's okay. But what if we do that alongside choosing to give radically, like nobody else, to say I want my finances to bless the world around me as a demonstration that God is enough for me. And I'm really excited and encouraged because I know when we as God's people see this as our priority, God will always do great things in us, in our community, and in the world around us. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are enough that your son has given his life that we could have this abundant life and we need not chase after more stuff for satisfaction, more stuff for any kind of appearance, more stuff to live the life we think people want us to have. God, we thank you that you fill every emptiness and void. We pray that you would help us to use everything we own and every resource you've given wisely, That we can be a people not desperately desiring more and more and more, but a people who instead see opportunity at our doorstep to love our neighbor, to serve our community, to be rich in good works that you might be glorified, that those who are far off might be connected to you, that your love would go forth in our community. God, may we be this people who live unlike anybody else, this different, not ordinary life, that through us your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Amen. Church, as we continue our worship, we're going to collect an offering, and our offering that we collect is intended to help us as the point love and serve this community, to make a difference in this community. Now, when you fill out a Connect card, we tell you every week that if you fill out a Connect card, we're going to give money to a local organization. $5 if it's your first time filling one out and a dollar if uh, you filled it out before. And so I just wanted to share with you briefly that over the first three months, so just through March, the end of March, uh, you as a church filled out those cards enough. We're giving $200 to an organization we really care about. Uh, I'm hopefully later this week delivering this check to the empty cup. An organization that supports adoption and foster care with all of their proceeds uh, that has been closed for the last several weeks, unable to earn any kind of income to support adoption. And I heard from Kobe that they are installing a drive through window, so I'm going to be letting you know as soon as their drive through window is open, so you can help me support them. You can get a cup of coffee, which you hopefully, like me, enjoy. If you don't like coffee, they have tea or, mix or ice drinks. You can go in there and support them, and by supporting them, support adoption. And I know that not only can you support them with purchasing a cup of coffee, you can write a check. Say, we want to make a difference in the lives of children and families who are not united. And we want to show these kids that they are loved. However you choose to give today, online with the little blue button there on thepointknocks.com. or if you choose to drive through a region's bank drive-through or mail in your check, however you give today, remember, we do this not to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Hey guys, so this is the part of the service where I going to answer your questions, or at least address them and talk about them. Last week, a question came in that got buried in amongst a bunch of others, and I missed it. So here's the question. What is it that causes the divide between churches? Well, methodology might be different in some cases, is it not possible for us to unite under the single theological principle of Jesus Christ himself and what he's done? So last week, I talked about this unity in this the church and the togetherness that we are supposed to have in Christ that we often don't have. And this question is regarding why is it that there are 30,000 plus different denominations in the US? Why can we not all work together and say Jesus is enough? Well this is a really challenging issue because on some things we should say Jesus is enough for us to work together. Like when it comes to us loving and serving our community, we absolutely can and must work together to share our resources, to maximize the opportunity to care for those in need. And yet in other things, it's really difficult. For example, how do you believe Jesus actually meets us? What do you believe Jesus demands and expects of us? In some congregations, Jesus demands and expects a lot before we ever even become a Christian. In some uh, ideals and, and some ways of thinking, Jesus only meets us when our life is perfect. And yet for us, we believe Jesus has promised to meet us every time we call upon him. And we believe that Jesus has promised to meet us in the body and blood in communion and in baptism. And Jesus has promised to come to us in, in these other ways that have nothing to do with how perfect you are. So on issues like worship and gathering together as one body, it's actually dishonoring to say these differences don't matter. To say that we're all exactly the same. In some ways we must recognize even churches we disagree with um, are still our brothers in Christ. So we should speak well of them, we should love them, we should desire God to move and strengthen them. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're on the same page and other really important things. So can we have unity with the church in many things? Yes. Um, Next up, uh, in case some of you have not seen the email that went out yesterday or the Facebook post, I want to give you a quick update on where we're at with reopening the point and gathering together again. Knox County is opening slowly in a phased process to try to make sure we're doing this wisely, to see if the number of new cases increases and we realize this is dangerous or if it stays at a low or consistent rate um, will open up a little faster. As a result, during phase one, uh, it's not going to be wise or prudent for us to gather as a whole group. But that doesn't mean we don't get to gather at all. It's encouraged to gather in groups less than 10. So not next week, but starting on May 17th, I want you to invite a neighbor or a friend or somebody from the point over to your house uh, to have a small gathering where you live stream together. You can have brunch, you can have community, and you can still have an appropriate safe distance to make sure that you are taking care of your neighbor and staying healthy and not possibly spreading something as we wait and see what's next. So gather in a small group starting May 17th, But first, we want to give you some flowers. Specifically, we want to give a mom some flowers. So Emily, come on in here. I'll scoot over. All right, um, before we draw, I need to uh, uh, let you know what was happening. Throughout the entirety of this service, every time I drank my coffee, you might have said, what was that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, my sweet husband was like, I'll get you coffee. And I was like, I am such a lucky girl. No. He was putting
0: hi on my cup with tape. So if you were confused, that's well what done, it Tyler. says. Hi, everybody. To be fair, that was a fun thing. It was a fun Could thing. Could have been much meaner.
1: <laughs> I am a lucky girl. That's Chris's idea.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so you want to draw?
0: I would I love to draw. Well. And did you take Melissa Foster's name out of here, or is she still in here? She didn't. She didn't? She Chris didn't. never put her name down as a mom who needs flowers. Come on, Chris. She's not my mother. Oh, she's not your mother. All right. Tony Lawrence. Tony
1: Lawrence. Tony.
0: Your mother is going to get some flowers from us. We'll
1: shoot you an email to see who you want to send those flowers to, okay? He put a couple different people down. A a couple people. Yeah, so we'll we'll shoot you an email. You're
0: going to choose which mother to you you would like to have us send some flowers. We're going to send some flowers to her this week to say we love you and happy Mother's Day. So, with that, church receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He look upon you with favor and give you His peace. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, church.
1: Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.